0: Welcome back to the cover zero podcast. We're coming at you with our week four preview show tonight. We got a great one for you. Everybody listening. I'm hosting tonight. It's Jordan. I'm joined first by Jay. How you doing, bro?
1: I'm doing good, bro. I'm doing better. Doing better.
0: Doing better. Doing better, and I think Sunday will deliver even more smiles. Corday, our other gentleman, Grace, in the microphone tonight, how are you doing?
2: Doing absolutely fantastic, fellas. How are we doing?
0: Doing great, doing great. And, of course, coming up on this show, we will also have your fantasy segment with Chase, who will be joining us here in a little bit. And then we will be previewing our game of the week. We also have a new segment we're unveiling tonight, which is the underdogs, underdog segment, where basically each of us are just going to pick an underdog according to the betting lines. And why we think they could not only cover, but possibly win. So you're going to want to pay attention to that. So we're going to kick it off first with the Thursday night football game that I think is actually a pretty dang good one as we head into week four right now. Miami heads to Cincinnati to take on the Bengals. And to the surprise of most, the Bengals go into this game favored by four points. Started off with you, Corday. How do you see this game unfolding? And what are you mostly going to be looking for on Thursday?
2: I'm going to be looking to see how long Joe Burrow is on to the ball in this game and see how many sacks uh, this Miami defense can apply to the Bengals and try to shut down um, shut down this uh, Bengals offense. I want to see a Xavier Howard on Jamar Chase and then see if T. Higgins responds. I think he had another concussion in this past weekend and see if Tyler Boyd is able to emerge because uh, this blitz scheme is r- ridiculous. I don't want to see Javon Holland playing in a nickel. Blitzing off the edge or playing deep safety, and I want to see uh, Tyreek kill and see if they're able to to slow him down or a bit of slow down uh, Jalen Waddle as well. And Edmonds is getting in, getting a little bit in the running game as well. So I want to see how that's going. I want to see how Tua is too, because he hit his head on the uh, on the grass when they was uh, in Miami. Uh, the coach and everybody else said it was a back injury. Even Tua said the same thing too. But the way he was stumbling. Didn't look like it was a back injury. Especially yeah, how
0: you, bro, that didn't look like no back injury. That looked like you know, nine shots, walk to the car type of stumble, bro. Exactly.
2: Uh-uh. Usually it was a back injury. you got like, holding your back and stuff like that. He's like, ah, and you going to keep walking. You don't all of a sudden stumble. You know, like, nah, it might tighten up. But, nah, he stumbled forward. I'm like, nah, that looked more than just a back injury. So, I want to see how he rebounds with that. Especially because this happened Sunday. And they're playing on Thursday. So, it's going to be, it's not a lot of quick turnaround time to see. If he's like back with this quote unquote back injury of his.
0: (laughs) Yeah. To your point about uh, the injuries in particular with T Higgins today, he did practice in full as we are now recording on Tuesday, uh, September 27th. He did get a full practice in today, as did Joe Mixon, the running back who ended up hopping out of that game uh, with a little bit of injuries. Uh, Corday, do you have a score and how do you think the winner arrives at that point total?
2: Uh, I always I always hate Thursday night football games cuz it's either one or two things. It's low scoring or it's super high scoring cuz it's either um a defense led game mainly because you couldn't install like a huge like game plan or like it's we're just going to score and the defense ain't going to be caught up. Um but for this I'm going to say I'm going to give a score 24 to 14 Dolphins, not Bengals. Dolphins, I mm. think. Okay. Uh, okay, I think the Dolphins are gonna lock them up and uh, try to use the running game. And I think Tyreek Tyreek Hill will get past these dudes, and especially because how crazy uh Miami is when it comes to blitzing. I think they'll be able to get to um, uh, Joe Burrow because he loves to hold onto the ball and apply a lot of pressure. So,
0: yeah. Hmm. Yes, indeed. You said twenty four fourteen, massively clearing uh the the line there. I mean, with straight winning out by ten points, Miami sits here undefeated. The only Undefeated team left in the AFC currently, right now. Josiah, I think when we started off at least our season previews and what we were projecting for each individual squad, would you say it's fair to assume at this juncture, even though it's early in the season, that you would have more believed that Cincinnati would be the undefeated team and Miami would be sitting here at one and two as we were previewing a week four Thursday night game? (laughs) Something like that,
1: yeah. Something like that, yeah, for sure. Because, I mean, you know, first game, okay, so the first game they went against the Steelers. I think everybody had them beating the Steelers. I think we thought that they would it would have been a close game, but nothing you know, nothing where they couldn't overcome it. But they lost that one, and then it was the next week, right? Who did who did they lose? The
0: who Bengals lose? played the Dallas Cowboys. The yeah, the Cowboys. Cowboys. It was a close Boys.
1: one, but they yeah they they lost to the Cowboys. That one was that one was crazy too. But then they got it going with the Jets, and then Miami. Yeah, you just didn't you just didn't know what you were going to see with Miami. You know, I I think you know I, I like Mike McDaniel's. I just wasn't sure. How he was going to be in his first year, and Bill Belichick, obviously, because New England was the first thing they played. You know, he coached well against him, man. He had that team ready to play, you know, and and the New England just didn't look, just didn't look like New England, really. You know, I mean, so yeah, a little impressed for sure. I thought it would have been the other way around, and that's just that's not what it is right now, man. So yeah, I, I thought definitely it would have been the Bengals, you know, um, with a better record than than the Dolphins.
0: Certainly did. Myself as well. In this game in particular, there's been some, the off, or at least for the Bengals offense in particular, it hasn't took off like it did last year, necessarily, at least up to this point. Do you think, Jay, that with how this game unfolds, that the Bengals offense is going to have more success? Or do you think that we kind of see the same thing and the Dolphins like, take over?
1: I, think, I don't think the Bengals is really going to have too much success, man. I mean, this offensive line, give me the old offensive line. I mean, that's how I'm feeling right now. <laughs> The new, <laughs> the new offensive line right now, bro, is not is not delivering. They, they went out, and it's just so backwards, man. I mean, you know, a couple years ago or a year ago, we talked about how bad this O-line was. And we talked about how they should have drafted O-line and all of this. They got Jamar Chase. And then what? They end up going to the Super Bowl, you know, whatever. Now they end up getting a whole bunch of good, you know, free agent offensive linemen, and they're worse. They're, it's worse. And I know Joe is holding on to the ball. I get it. But I mean, a lot of it too is just that the whole line is getting destroyed. So I don't see this offense. I, I like what Miami is doing. They do like the blitz still, even with Brian. We talked about the blitz and the different blitzing formations when Brian Forrest was there. They still got blitzing there, not as exotic, you know, but they're still blitzing a lot there. But one thing I noticed when they played Buffalo last week is their four man rush was able to put some pressure on Josh Allen as well. They didn't really blitz as much. So I'm, ex- you, you know, what I'm saying so. I'm, I'm expecting. That to happen is what they may not have blitz, They may not have to blitz as much because of the all line has just been so bad. So yeah, I don't. I'm not expecting this offense really to do anything, man. I mean, I'm not. I'm let me not say anything. I'm expecting them to be able to, you know, get some points on the board, but not have no type of breakout. Oh, this is the Bengals' offense we were looking for. It no, no. I'm not. I'm not looking. I don't think that's going to happen against this Miami defense
0: at all. Okay. All right. So it sounds like from the talk of it, you're in agreement with Corday as far as sliding over to Miami, being getting the W here. Yeah. If that's correct, how do they get there?
1: I just think I I really think, man, Miami. OK, so they're going to pressure Joe Burrow and I think it's going to be a little bit too much on him. And I think on the Miami side of the ball, I just think now I am concerned. I'm glad Corday brought it up with Tua and what's going on there, you know, um. To me, when he, you know, talked about the whole, oh, yeah, it was my back, that just seemed like to me he was covering up for his coaching.
0: For sure. His staff.
1: I mean, you the, know. The NFLPA
0: has already came out and said that they're already they're on it. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, they're on it. So, you know, he's trying to make up for it, and, that, and that's cool. You know, I, I get it. But, you know, to me, we you can clearly see that was not no <laughs> no back injury. That was a that was a head, and he stumbled twice. So, yeah. And then he went, you know, he, he went back in the game. I thought it was weird then. You know, um, for mm-hmm. him to go back in the game, so I am questionable with that. But if he goes back in the game, he looks fine, I guess, in the first few plays or the first quarter, or whatever. Then okay. So if he's his normal self, I'm expecting this offense to do some good things. I just think, man, with you, you Tyreek Hill, Jay Jalen Waddle. You know these these fast wide receivers and the secondary for Cincinnati they just haven't been the same. They and and then they they still got Eli Apple back there who's never been good. But last year he's, know, he's last
0: year he was, we, apart from Eli know. Apple the secondary is actually playing pretty good.
1: They I, they're okay, bro. They're okay. They're not playing as good as they were last year.
0: Uh, that, I would not that, say that they. I think the deep. I, I mean the defense so far is having a. Pretty good season. So my thing is just, I think that this Miami team can test them like no other opponent they have played thus far in the season has yet. I,
1: I, well, maybe maybe that's what it is. That maybe that's what it is. I, I just feel like you know the secondary hasn't. They're, they're not where they they're not playing the way they was playing last year. I just feel like with the speed that Miami is going to bring, I don't feel like they're really going to be able to keep up with them, you know. And and I, and I feel like because. You know, I think there's there, there'll be some obviously there'll be some third and outs with Miami, but there's going to be a whole lot more on the on Cincinnati side because they can't you know they they just can't stop the pass rush. So yeah, I, I'm I I see them really you know shutting down that offense, and I see <clears throat> Tua in that offense really just taking over you know and and taking over that secondary and whatnot. Give me Miami twenty seven and Cincinnati twenty three.
0: 23 yeah 23 right on that four point line but miami winning out there's more than covering as well uh for me with really yeah this this Bengals offense i think is better than what they've showed so far they are dead last right now in the nfl in terms of yards per play at four and a half Mm -hmm. and the dolphins offense has absolutely flourished and it's i think what a lot of it is is it's mike mcdaniel's being Unpredictable. I mean, coming from the Kyle Shanahan tree, I think a lot of people were expecting a heavy dose of the run game, the outside zone run, which some of that is there. But then at the same time, this they're passing the ball on 66 of their plays. Tua right now is fourth in the entire league in pass attempts. That wasn't something that I was at least predicting for this team. So you add that, like with just the overall approach and how much they want to drop back, that's throwing a wrench into at least what teams are going to expect from this offense. Then you add in all the motion, the movement, the horizontal, and the vertical stretches that are there. I mean, there was that third and 22 last week against Buffalo where they needed to have it. And they Buffalo went to a cover two drop eight. And Jalen Waddle, they hit him on like a a deep corner post. You'll call it you're like a seven up or a seven go. And I mean, the, that ball came out of two. Is The ball went 53 yards in the air and landed right between the two deep safeties. Granted, that wasn't Micah Hyde. That wasn't Jordan Poyer. But nonetheless, like that was a type of a throw when Tua let it go. I just didn't think he necessarily had in his arsenal. And it's cool, really, to see Mike McDaniel tapping into that in a bunch of different ways. On the Bengals side of the ball, though, throughout the course of the season, they have seen the most cover two in the NFL. A lot of people were wondering what was going to be the adjustment this year to combat the Bengals down the field attack that they had last year with Jamar Chase averaging like 16 and a half yards per reception. And what the cover two really is doing and makes what makes it hard is that anytime last season, Joe Burrow saw a single hire, a one-on-one on on the outside, he was going up top to Higgins. He was going up top to Jamar on that outside. But now that you have a cover two, this is going to put a corner in the face of Jamar Chase, not let him get that free access on the outside, bump him inside, and then keep a safety over the top. So some of the, I think the reasons that Joe might be hanging onto the ball too long is that he's wanting to give Jamar time to get down the field. He's wanting to make things happen that I just think is in his nature as a quarterback, but he does have to get better about recognizing, look, I, I can't just sit back here and hold this ball all day. I think we saw some pressure that was still evident in their most recent game against the jets. However, it wasn't the quick pressure, which is what you at least like to see Joe's going to invite that he always will. That's just who he is. But when he, when it doesn't turn into sacks, and he's able to at least move around and evade that pressure to not bring him down and get them behind the sticks, I think that's where the Bengals' offense is really going to be at its best. That's the only way, honestly, they're going to be able to have any sort of success. Miami right now is currently top three in the NFL in terms of man coverage rate. They play man on 43% of their snaps, and they blitz at 25% of them on defense. However, they're bottom five when they are bringing those types with QB knockdowns and pressure rate, and they have the eighth fewest sacks in the league. Like you were alluding to, Jay, I don't necessarily think this, this team blitzes. And of course, you want to use Javon Holland that way, but maybe dialing back the rate at which they blitz and still just allowing Melvin Ingram to do his work, allowing Emmanuel Ogba and then the, the timely blitzes here from Javon Holland. That might be the way they go. And because if they want to go and crank up that blitz and leave Jamar in one on one, Joe has been thirsty for those type of looks. And if they go to that, I think the Bengals will be able to, to deal really honestly. Nick Needham, the second, the number two corner for Miami has been someone that they really haven't talked about on that defense. A lot of people just assume Byron Jones is still out there, even though the man hasn't taken a single snap throughout the entire season. He's been on he's been on the IR since early on the pup to start the year out. Nick Needham is someone that they can go ahead and attack with that trio of receivers out there. So I want to see if they try to find ways to scheme up some of their guys against him and maybe get a favorable matchup there. I like the Dolphins to score to move the ball. I think the Bengals defense has been, like I was saying earlier, been solid in coverage this year. But the test that I want to see is, apart from Eli Apple, he's been Eli Apple. But I think the test I want to see, like I was saying, is that is it the opponents of when you're going against uh, Joe Flacco in the Jets offense, uh, Mitch Trubisky offense, or a Cooper Rush?
1: And See, that's not that what it is. Right. You know,
0: we're going to get some more answers. You know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah, right. we're going we're gonna to get some more answers. Mike, my, my dog Mike Hilton on the blitz, doing it from the slot. He's he's still nasty. Uh he's really the been the best. Je, je, I'll give it to you that Jesse Bates hasn't been the same. He ball ain't the off. same,
1: bro. He's not the same. And he if, has not.
0: Just real quick, not to cut you off, no, if
1: Cooper Rush and Mitchell Trubisky <laughs> can have success, I know for sure Tua is gonna have a if he's healthy, he's gonna have way more success than them. And for against that secondary. You know, so I that that's the only thing, you know, going back to Going back to that, like we mentioned, Jesse Bates is not the same. Mike Hintle is Mike Hilton is by far probably probably their best secondary player, second best player on a secondary.
0: Mm-hmm. So it, it is. It is right now. But I mean, they I don't necessarily know if I can say that like Flacco, Rush, and Trubisky had that success. Right now the Bengals are they are what are they? They're tops in the league in terms of passing TDs allowed. The fewest. They're tied for the very fewest in the NFL. Again, competition there, but I can't sit here and say that. I can't agree with saying that Flacco and Trubisky had success. Considering if if Mika Fitzpatrick doesn't get that pick six, we're looking at a different score here. You know if, what I mean, if
1: if, if if it was a fifth, bro, if it was a fifth, we'll be drunk right now. I, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying for sure. I'm just saying they didn't they didn't do enough to make them have bad games. That's what I'm saying. So. Yeah, they didn't have no game where it was like, oh, man, they threw, you know, I mean, it was just they had a good enough game to not allow their team to lose. And I think Tua by far is way better than all those QBs. Oh, of course that's he is. Right. Of, course. That's just a hard hard. of course. Of course.
0: Of not, course. Not doubting that at all. I still like the Bengals in this one, man. I think this is where we start to see maybe some of the magic that's been there for Miami to kind of dissipate a little bit. I think it's going to be a very close game. I think Miami does cover that four-point spread. I like it, 24-Cincinnati, 21. 24, 21, something like that. Cincinnati in this one. I think, I think that makes a little bit more sense for at least 2-2 two and two and 3-1 and as we head into week five. We will now move into the fantasy chase as we welcome Chase McCoy to the show. How are you doing tonight, bro?
3: I'm doing fantastic, guys. How are you all doing?
0: Doing real good. Better, doing real, right? real good. Yeah, we we, we will hope he will be doing much better there. Dandy should return Sunday evening (laughs) time. It's going to need to. Uh, As everybody knows, Chase is here delivering the fantasy knowledge, and we always start that off with this week. Going to give you one start or sit for each of the following positions with quarterback, running back, and wide receiver. We'll first start at signal callers. Chase, who are your quarterback starts and your quarterback sit?
3: So I know he has not been performing the way we all liked, I'm sure probably tee this up, but I'm sorry. I got to start Russell Wilson versus your Raiders. It's the softest defense they've faced against quarterbacks yet. Uh, Denver has been, you know, Houston has outplayed themselves against quarterbacks. Seattle has outplayed themselves versus quarterbacks. San Francisco is good against quarterbacks. Russell has not looked good, but if he can't be started against the Raiders this year, you may not be able to start him. I'm just saying. Like, I feel like this is a get right game for him. I'm hoping he's going to you know, come back get back to his norm, hopefully have a top 12 week. It's kind of crazy that we're even having this conversation, but yeah, it's just one of those things. Uh, then for uh, my sit of the week, I'm benching Trevor Lawrence at Philadelphia. Yeah, I'm biased against my Eagles, but uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence, he's, he's red hot right now. The Jacksonville Jaguars are red hot, but so is that Philadelphia defense. They're second in the league in sacks. They're getting turnovers, whether it's forced fumbles or interceptions. And that was Trevor Lawrence's best career game in all aspects. Fantasy-wise, football-wise, he's coming off of the best game he's ever had. So that's an outlier to me. I think he's going to regress back to the means. I don't think he's going to have a good game on the road. I'm not trusting him. I'll definitely start Wilson over Lawrence this week.
0: So just so I get this straight, you want to bench the dude that's playing against your team, but start the dude that's playing against mine.
1: I see how
3: we're going, bro. I see what oh, you are going. You put it like that. You put that's it like crazy. that. See, okay.
1: That's what fantasy do. That's what fantasy do, <laughs> y'all, man. Yeah. You,
3: you know, it's crazy because I, like, I feel like when it comes to actual, like, drafting players, I'm pretty unbiased when it comes to my Eagles. So it's just one of those things that, yeah, because mm-hmm. you got to be fluid. You can't, like, you can't, you know like mm-hmm. oh well I, that's a cowboy i can't draft a cowboy you know you're gonna yeah. lose yeah. like to get, yeah. get where you you like to be on top and to win you gotta be you gotta be ready to take who's the best
0: for sure for sure So we'll move to the running back position uh are you gonna tell me that you should bench jacobs and start sanders
3: all that no i'm kidding but who do you got <laughs> as far as it sits at the rbs uh got jokes uh i'm actually gonna go jamal williams uh start of the week there uh He leads the league in red zone touches with Swift. And Swift is injured, probably likely out to after week six, uh, which is their bye week, dealing with shoulder injury. I feel like Jamal Williams is an easy plug-and-play, can be a top 15 running back with upside. I'm all for that. Okay, And then for the sit, I'm sitting Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. He's been putting up in PPR leagues, you know, 14, 15, and then that good week one of like 20-plus points. But he's just not getting enough work. You know, it's too unreliable for him to be that efficient on that few of touches. You know, 12 touches, 12 touches, 10 touches, whether it's, you know, catches or runs. It's just unsustainable. And then on top of that, McKinnon has outsnapped Clyde Edwards Hilaire. 39%, 39% week one, week two was like a 42-47. And this last week in mckinnon's favor and then this last week it was 40 percent for clyde edwards and i think it was 53 percent for uh, mckinnon mm-hmm. if if clyde edwards is your guy why is mckinnon on the field so much mm-hmm. especially in a game that they needed to win so if clyde's a better running back he should have been on the field and I'm, what the team is doing is not telling me that clyde's the guy yeah uh and if you look at back at week uh two he was doing okay until he had a break or like doing actually pretty bad until he had a breakaway run for what, 50 yards. And then that, you know, inflated his fantasy stats. It's somebody that I just don't want to start this week. I don't trust against Tampa Bay who just shut down Dylan and Jones in the same game. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you on that one. He just looks like there's not much juice with him. And I don't know if we're ever going to see that type of juice just coming. It just hasn't looked good. You know what I mean? I'm with you on that one. Yeah.
3: So to move to the pass catcher spot, uh, who are you starting? Who are you sitting? So you got to go with Amari Cooper out at of Atlanta. Atlanta's given up the most touchdowns to wide receivers, seven on the season. And as I mentioned previously, with Christian Kirk, week one after or going into week two, being utilized all over the field. You know, getting those red zone targets, getting those deep targets. Amari Cooper is being u- utilized all over the field. He had two uh twenty plus air yard passes. And he had two red zone targets this week, uh, or week three. I love that. Yeah, he's coming off of you know another hundred and one yard game. I'm not expecting him to do that, but the fact that his target percentage has gone up too. He's at a 29% target share on the season, but it's gone up each week. So I mean, the fact that you know uh, Brissette has thrown 34, 27, and 32 passes in each of the games, and then you got Amari Cooper over here rocking. Uh, twenty-seven targets on the season. I I'm gonna take that volume all day long against a soft defense for wide receivers.
0: Okay, yeah, I like it. Cooper's been a a nice ad that a lot of people assumed to start the year that because Jacoby was going to be there that that would really diminish his
3: value. Oh yeah, I but, I devalued yeah. him. I devalued him a lot, and I only have him in one league, and that's w- proving to be a mistake at this point.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it was a nice like. I think his his average like draft position was somewhere like fifth round or something like that in standard. 10
3: 12, something like that. And, and the 10 league. team league, I actually got him in this. Well, it was a two keeper league. So you minus the first two rounds, but I got him in the sixth round. So probably would have been like seventh or eighth in that league. Yeah. 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 That's it, crazy. it was ridiculous. I was just like, I was like, okay. I went zero yeah. RB strategy and it worked out. <laughs> Damn. Nicely done. Nicely done. And then I'm sitting Allen Robinson. You just can't trust him. And what's majorly concerning about him, like, and cause I, you know, this is somebody that we probably drafted ahead of Mario Cooper mostly. Yes. I did, you know, probably in the fourth round. Mm-hmm. So, but this is what's concerning. Why is Stafford not targeting him? Allen Robinson has ran more routes than anyone not named Cooper Cup on that team. But per his routes that he's ran, he has targeted the fewest of his routes. Mm. The lowest percentage, and that's Higby uh, Skronik, or however you say his name. Any Grash- Inia- yeah, yeah. They play
0: that yep. man at fullback. Did you also? Sorry, quick side note. Did you yeah. guys see him just decapitate? Freaking Zaven Collins when they lined him up at fullback last week? Well, he
2: went after his ribs. That's why he came up and hit him right in the ribs. That's what happened. I saw it.
0: I he was like. Brock that fool.
1: <laughs>
2: I was like, yo, I was if I was a linebacker and I saw that he was bringing a, uh, well, because I used to play linebacker in college, if I would have saw that he was bringing a, a wide receiver in here, I would have just like blissed the hole and just went straight for him just to like the audacity. The audacity. <laughs> I know. They did. That's
0: what, Here's Ben Squironic, some dude that people don't even know who he is. They're going to trot this dude out, a wide receiver, at fullback and run him straight at your Mike linebacker and just just lift him up off the ground. <laughs> like, yeah, I thought it was dope. Anyway, keep keep going, Chase.
3: But yeah, so it, it's majorly concerning for me that Allen Robinson does just, whether it's not having a rapport with Stafford, all the offseason hype from McVay and all that obviously looks like it's smoke because the fact that, you know, everybody else is running fewer routes but being targeted a larger percentage of their routes than what, you know, Allen Robinson is. I just can't can't find the confidence to start him. And then for tight ends, moving back to Detroit, TJ Hawkinson, Amon Ross St. Brown's likely out. I mean, that's my dude, but Hawkinson should, you know, inherit a lot of those targets all over the field. So I feel like he's probably gonna be the best uh start this week for tight end outside of your top three. And then I'm sitting Gerald Everett at Houston. Allen's likely back. Houston's only allowed one touchdown to a tight end, and Everett's been pretty touchdown dependent uh, Mm -hmm. throughout his career and even this season, so it's just somebody I can't rely on. Really, there's only about eight tight ends that I feel like you can have an argument to start each and every week. And I mean, Kelsey, Andrews, Waller, Pitts, Kittle, if he's healthy, Goddard, Hawkinson, Ertz, and I mean, you could even make an argument against starting any of those, so, and if you're in a deeper league, maybe Tyler Conklin he's just getting the targets uh he's there. however, I mean, with Zach Wilson back, we don't know what that offense is gonna look like. I mean, we can only hope that you know they're passing as much, but obviously he's not gonna be like he's their franchise guy right now, so they may turn into a run first offense. everybody listening
0: right now when you hear this, it'll be a Thursday. Go scan your waiver wire for a couple of additions here. Chase, in terms of beat the waiver wire or who still might be out there that someone could help their team with,
3: who are you examining in week four? So this is, I'm naming some, so obviously the big names you want to look at that will probably be gone by the time you listen to this. Jamal Williams, Khalil Herbert, Alexander Madison, Romeo Dubes, or Dobes, uh, they're probably going to be gone. However, there's going to be, pay attention to the people that have dropped. In one of my 10-team leagues, someone dropped Kyle Pitts. I wasn't able to get him. I didn't have a high enough priority, but they dropped him from week two going to week three. Wow. Panic mode. People, I, as I mentioned before, people panic. So again, you got to be patient. You got to like trust the talent. You got to trust your instincts, unless it's telling you to drop Kyle Pitts and then don't trust that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but Again, I talked about my guy, probably one of my favorite wide receivers, as I mentioned last week, Traylon Burks. He's probably going to get dropped this week. He didn't perform, but his routes, as I mentioned, thirty-seven percent on dropbacks week one, seventy-three percent, ninety-three percent, ninety-three. Like it, it's consistently going up, and it's drastic amounts. And we wouldn't be having this conversation if he caught that touchdown. I mean, he he, he got tackled all want the one yard line, right? Like, right. So I was like, we wouldn't be having this conversation, but. People are going to panic. They're going to drop him. Oh, he's not producing. Still somebody I want on my team. Russell Gage looked great. Had, what, 12 targets all over that. Yeah. And then you got a Dorch. Like, God, Greg the guy's Dorch. just performing. Greg Dorch, he's out there. Uh, I want to say he has 23 targets on the season. Yeah, 23 targets. And he's just being peppered all over. And I don't even think Rondale Moore coming back is going to, like, put this guy on the bench. He is – he's doing good, you know? hmm So –
0: yeah, he's been solid. Like, every single week, if you'd ended up starting him, like, weekly, he's been delivery, for sure. Yeah,
3: PPR leagues, he's, you know, put up 17, 15, and 13 points. That's solid wide receiver three to wide receiver two area. So, yeah, I would definitely be putting him in there. And if, In a three wide receiver league, you should probably be starting him unless you're deep at wide receiver.
0: Yes, I agree with that 100%. As far as the stream team, what streamers this week? Definitely defensive streaming is mine and your strategy. I've known over the years that's what we prefer to do. Who are you looking at to pick up just to stream for a quick bonus or boost in points?
3: So I would probably prioritize, like defense-wise, this team a little bit more than others just because their upcoming schedule, but Green Bay. They have New England this week. They got Giants next week, and they got the Jets the following, and they're all in Green Bay. And no Mac Jones this week. And no Mac Jones. And uh, I mean, so that's it doesn't get much better than that when you're a streaming team, finding a you know a team of Green Bay, like having that soft of a schedule that close together. I mean, you can not have to worry about defense for a couple of weeks. It may not put up, you know, major points, but you have that upside of that opportunity. So a couple turnovers, maybe a touchdown scored. You'll be sitting nice. But that's the defense that I'm going to be streaming. And then if I'm going to be streaming other position, I'm probably going to go Cooper Rush or Matt Ryan this week. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Cooper Rush looked good, and they have Washington this week. Washington's pretty soft. And then Matt Ryan, uh, give me one moment. I forget who they're playing this week.
1: I think that's going to be a good
3: Oh, they got the Titans. Yeah, Titans. And Titans have allowed uh, 25 fantasy points plus uh, to the quarterback position. I think that's going to be a bounce-back game for Matt Ryan, ideally. Uh that whole division has me scratch my head every every week. I don't know what's going on. So <laughs> you go from <laughs> no Jack wins and ties <laughs> to you know, uh-huh. you know, beating the Chiefs, beating all these other teams. You know, I was just like, Yeah, it's uh beating the Chiefs and the Chargers all in the same week. I was like, Man, I, I don't know what to make of that division right now.
1: Think um Cooper Rush is gonna ball out versus uh the commanders?
3: I don't, but I feel like he can put up 18 to 20 fantasy points uh oh, as a ceiling. So, if you're streaming quarterbacks at this point, I mm-hmm. would definitely stream Cooper Rush. Okay.
0: Fantasy-wise, oh. Cooper Rush or Trevor Lawrence week 4.
3: Okay. I I would go I Cooper like Rush. I, I like you. Cooper oh. Rush. Okay. Yeah, yeah,
1: you did.
3: yeah. <laughs> Again, and, and see this is where you can't say, "Oh, well, because you're an Eagles fan." <laughs> Cooper Rush is a Cowboy. I'm just saying. Right, right, right. right, right, right. <laughs> That makes I sense. just feel like it's a trap game for uh for Trevor against Philadelphia. So yeah. Especially like you got Doug Peterson, it's in Philadelphia. Yeah. It's going to be loud. And be then lot. you got yeah. Cooper Rush at home versus Washington. He's again coming off of they have a really soft defense and they're coming off of a bad loss. Could turn into like a shootout game. Uh so I think Cooper Rush has the higher ceiling this week of the two. Okay.
0: Last last segment in the fantasy chase. If those of you who play on FanDuel, if you play on DraftKings, who are you looking to basically build your daily fantasy lineups around, or some people that you should at least target if people are going that route on Sunday?
3: By the way, I hope people listened to the podcast last week because I said Damian Pierce and Chris Olave as my sleepers for DFS. Bald. and they they balled out. Okay, I won about five hundred dollars off of them. Okay, mm-hmm. just putting that out there. So, just. Free I'm, not the be- I'm not the best at this, but you know, I mean, I, as CJ would say, even a blind squirrel can find a nut every now and then. So <laughs> uh, but I'm I'm gonna be stacking uh Buffalo this week. I'm gonna be spending up on Josh Allen, uh, but they're facing Baltimore. Again, we know Baltimore's terrible against you know quarterbacks and wide receivers. They're also not good against pass-catching running backs. So I'm stacking Allen, Singletary, and Davis. Hmm. They're giving up. Per game, about 8.33 receptions per game to the running back position. And then Gabe Davis, obviously we know his ceiling. We know he's a boom-bust type of wide receiver right now. So I feel like this is a get-right game for him. That's my stack that I'm going with. I'm also looking at uh, Brees Hall. Uh, as I mentioned, if they start running the ball more, I feel like Brees Hall could you know, definitely benefit from there. And this is normally I don't run a two tight end set and daily but sometimes you got to like when you're in a tournament you got to do something a little contrarian a little you know off the board i'm going drake london and i'm going kyle pitts and i'm going tj Hawkinson. so i'm running two tight ends who i both feel like will have really good games and then cleveland atlanta that that over unders i believe 50 or 50 and a half that's just a game i want some action in and i could always change from Hawkinson, uh and just start pitts there and find somebody else but i really like how that is and I'm streaming uh, the Cowboys' defense in that lineup. Nice, nice. Oh, and the la- one name I didn't listen was Greg Dorch. Uh, he's just been for his price. He's five thousand on DraftKings, and it's just Carolina's not very good. And t- I'll take any wide receiver getting you know ten plus targets a game uh, for five thousand.
0: Yeah, especially at that cost. I mean, if if everyone had been listening these last couple of weeks and last couple of runs of the fantasy chase, I'm on Ra before he broke out. Chris Olave before he was tearing it up i mean this there's there's a reason here there's a method to the madness and chase is definitely delivering the goods uh appreciate you coming on as always bro and look forward to next week and see how all these squads end up doing all right thank you guys you have a good night all right we will now shift gears and move into our game of the week this week as we head on over to baltimore who will be hosting the buffalo bills Going into this game, we are looking at the Ravens, who are currently Buffalo, who's favored by three and a half with over under at 51 and a half. Corday, for you in this game, what mostly are you going to be keeping an eye on? Honestly,
2: usually when it comes to this game, I usually watch um, Josh Allens and Lamar Jackson's completion percentage because coming into the league, they was both inaccurate as hell. Or oh, not as well, Josh Allen was. No, it was yeah. both, of well, both of them. Well, they well, I felt Josh Allen was way more. I think his completion percentage was like 53% versus Lamar's was 58. But you know, you'll still. Um, I look at their completion percentage because Lamar's is usually I think he used to be like 8 of 11. And just, sometimes Josh Allen, especially in the playoff game, he was like a 50% completion percentage, even though he had, was breaking out. So that's usually like the main thing I start looking at. And then I try to see how how their weapons are holding up against the other because this is really like a quarterback, uh tell of the quarterbacks for me. Like I, this is definitely a game I want to see more in the regular season. I know Lamar and uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, as you play like once a year, that's like the game. Somehow the schedule always happens. This is definitely a game I want to see like every year to see like the progression of both the players and see how the weapon around them, how they make them better and things like that. Um, I'm still looking at the – the Bills because I know there's they were had they were out four players last week. Uh Michael Hyde has since went on IR with the neck injury, so he's out for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. I know they missed uh Jordan Phillips who came back after two years yep. with the Cardinals and he had like eleven sacks before he left with them. Um the big D tackle, I forget his name, out of Houston. He he was out last game as well. So I'm trying to see if oh, Larry, to settle? uh no 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 uh, Ed Oliver. Ed Oliver. Ed Oliver, yeah. Ed Oliver. yeah. If he if he's back and with the team and trying to see if that if that works. Also, I'm trying to look at this Ravens secondary. Uh, the breakdowns seem to happen. They didn't happen last week, but it seemed to happen against Miami. I, wonder, I hope they don't uh, make those same blunders. And I hope Lamar just keep balling, man. He was amazing again. I keep thinking, man, they, they got to pay this man a lot um, at the end of the year if he keeps balling like this. Another 100-yard game uh he even when he's running out there he's getting he's getting great touches uh and then once he's like in open field anybody gets close to him he immediately slides because you know he has a contract he's still trying to work out but he's also became a lot more accurate which is what i like to see like he has a lot more touch on the ball Mm -hmm. i remember coming in this season i was worried about his weapons i remember i was was talking off air about Man, I don't like who we got. And he was like, man, you, you don't like DuVernay? And I'm like, DuVernay was a return a punt returner for most of the time before this year. But Lamar got him balling. Uh, Bateman was the guy who I liked, but he was a rookie last year and it was hurt. And so yeah. I was hoping they would get, like, a dope veteran, like how they did with Stephon Diggs for Josh Allen. And I just want to keep seeing this. They keep building up this team around Lamar Jackson. But Lamar is making even those, like, really, like, third – third string and fourth string or fifth string receivers on most teams besides Bateman. He making them play well, so I just want to keep seeing that go and uh, uh Andrews is his go-to guy and he's been balling.
0: Yeah, for sure. Josiah, when it comes to you as far as this game goes, what do you think the keys are going to be for whichever team it is that you have winning?
1: I think for the Ravens, man, you know, I I think it's really attacking the run game. You know, I mean, Buffalo, like Corday said, got a lot of injuries, you know, I mean, from the secondary, from the the linebackers, the D-line, they're injured everywhere. And I think Lamar right now, it's only three weeks, but he's damn near having an MVP season right now, man. I mean, he's able to run the ball. Obviously, he's been able to do that since college, but his pass and his accuracy looks, you know, looks like it's back to what it should have been during his MVP form, you know, so he's he's passing the ball at will, he's got his weapons there, Duvernay is is just really taking over games at times, you know, so I really like what Baltimore is doing, so I think if they can continue to, if they can really run the rock, I think they will be okay in this game, I think Buffalo, their defense has been really good, but they've just had so many injuries, you know, And, and they do have some depth players, I don't know if those depth players is able to come right in and be able to handle an offense like this, so to me for the Ravens the key the key points for them to be able to win the game is for Lamar Jackson and for you know uh the, off, the OC over there I'm blanking on his name for him to be Brent able Rose.
3: to Yeah.
1: Yeah. for him to be able to really call the right plays and to really be able to get the ground attack going. I think JK he should be playing right is he playing this? He, he
0: played should... last week and was like on a pitch count and yeah, i think that the rains might be lifted now that's okay. gonna be kind of something to pay attention to but he was on the field last week but i think he only got like somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 snaps i'd have to officially check mm-hmm. yeah so i mean that that will be that, that's for me the keys for the ravens is really
1: the ground attack i think if they can if they can really do the ground attack and really and then obviously lamar he's been comfortable passing ball like i mentioned I think they, they have this game in the bag. For the Bills, man, I mean, I really, to me, and Corday kind of brought it up, I mean, one thing about Baltimore, and, and we all actually kind of brought it up with them I think a couple weeks ago is about their defense. Their defense is really not the same, man. They don't have that home run hitter, pass rusher. You know, they're not really getting to the QB the way you would like. They don't have that one, you know, Justin Houston, he's, he's, he's had a couple sacks. But it's, it's just not consistent with on that D-line. You know, and and that's one thing I will say, Josh Allen and that offensive line is 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 obviously Josh Allen is a stud and the offensive line hasn't been too bad. And then and then that that secondary, that coverage, like where they said, they've had some breakdowns back there. So Josh Allen can take advantage of that. And I feel like if the O-line for the Bills can really, like, give him some time, which I believe they will be able to, he'll be able to get the rock going or passing the ball and, and, and really get it in his best wide receivers. Stephon Diggs and 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 really make it you know, um, you know put up some p- put points on the board and whatnot. My thing is is just I just think the Ravens when it comes down to running the ball and passing the ball they can do both. I really feel mm-hmm. that. Way. I mean Lamar just it, it, even if it's just him or him deciding to what what plays. I mean because Greg at times I, you don't know you don't know if Greg put that play in and Lamar is changing the play or what what's going on because obviously you know he's breaking for runs at times. He's passing that time, so you just don't really know what you're going to get with that offense, and they can do either or. So, to me, I, I, I like the Ravens. I, I just think they're a little bit more balanced. They're a lot more balanced, in my opinion, and that was one thing I wanted to really see from Buffalo. As you kind of seen it in preseason with the run game a little bit, you you started to see them kind of. And it's preseason. I mean, you don't you know you don't know how it's really going to turn out. You know, going into the regular season, but they were running the ball a little bit in preseason. And I was hoping they were they were going to do that in this. You know, in this 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 start of the season, and you haven't seen it too much. I mean, what they've been doing has been working, but at certain points, mm-hmm. you want to be a little bit more balanced. And I think versus the Ravens, that would be a team you would want to be balanced with. But I just haven't seen it yet. And Ravens, the Ravens have been that team. So um, for both teams, example, what you were saying as far as keys. I would say the Ravens, it would be, you know, really running the ball and really passing the ball at will and keeping that Bills offense off the field. And then Josh Allen really attacking that secondary back there. I just think the Ravens is going to have more success at what they're trying to do on offense. So the Ravens is who I got winning. As far as the final score, give me 30 to 27, Ravens.
0: 30 to 27, Ravens. Corday, you broke down kind of some points of the game, but what is your score? Who wins and how do they get there?
2: I'm gonna go with my uh head, not my not my heart or my gut. Uh or <laughs> <That's good. laughs> uh, <That's good. laughs> exactly. Uh I, I think it's gonna be it's gonna be close, but I think I'm gonna give it thirty twenty seven uh bills.
0: Mm. Same score, different team winning. Yeah, close indeed. Definitely. I'm I'm with you guys both there on it being close and easily the battle of the two best QBs up to this point in the NFL in this young season Baltimore offense though has just been so impressive not to say that Buffalo hasn't I mean they both have but just by the numbers I mean average yards per play they're averaging 6.9 a pop which is a half yard ahead in terms of yards per play ahead of the number two team in the league which when you just hear half a yard that doesn't sound like a ton but that same half a yard difference between Baltimore at number one and Philly at number two is the same difference between the Raiders at 10th and the Jets at 24th. Like, that's how much this offense is really, really moving the ball and how much damage they're doing. It's pretty crazy. This is the second highest uh, passing TD rate in the NFL, or no, their first highest passing TD rate in the league compared to Miami, who is also number two at 7.8, yet Baltimore's passing TD rate is at 11.4. So essentially on every 10 pass attempts so far, this man, Lamar Jackson's dropping a touchdown. That's insane. That's just absolutely insane. I don't think that's going to, that's going to sustain, but either way to do that through three weeks in the NFL, when a lot of people call Lamar Jackson idiotically a running back, this is just, you know, smashing those narratives. And I continue to love to see it versus the blitz this year. Lamar has been absolutely shredding it nine for 11, 144 yards and three TDs. And we saw him being able now to not only against the blitz, but like there was the one they had against Miami where they sent Xavier Howard on a cornerback blitz off the edge. And Lamar hit instantly with the side adjustment. As soon as that ball dropped in his hands, Bateman recognized the two, converted it to a quick hitch, and he just instantly got the ball out. He knew pre-snap that was coming. And that wasn't necessarily an element that was there when they were hitting him over and over and over again with cover zero blitzes. So he's beating it with his eyes, his arm, and we all know he can beat it with his legs. And I think that's the interesting part of this game is that Buffalo, they don't blitz. They're the lowest blitzing rate team in the league. And yeah. they have been getting pressure with four is the reason why they don't have to. And it's almost like they bring in their, their pass rushers in fleet between Von Miller, Greg Rousseau, Boogie Basham, AJ Epinesa, Daquan Jones, Ed Oliver, Jordan, you know, all those, all those guys. None of them are playing more than 64% of the defensive snaps. Yet each and every single one of them is contributing in terms of pressures and in terms of sacks. And I think that's really going to be evident because Baltimore now has been having some problems at that left tackle spot last week. They lost Patrick McCarry, who was already their third string left tackle. And they had to bring in that the giant rookie that they drafted Daniel Falele.
3: Yeah.
0: And, and so it's going to be him and Ben power starting on the left side of that, of that Ravens offensive line. I think that's the area where Buffalo is really going to be able to attack. And though they aren't going to have of course they're not going to have Micah Hyde as we were talking about. He's out for the season. Jordan Poyer is still questionable with a leg injury, and Tredavious White can't even come back till week five at the soonest. So if Dane Jackson's out too, it's, it's going to be hard to try to contain Lamar and those receivers getting downfield even more so, especially if we're being able to talk about, though, what Buffalo can do rushing the passer. It's going to be that battle of give and take. Who kind of loses first, the weak links in the offensive line or just these new and fresh faces that are there for the defense on the other side of the ball? Buffalo is a heavy zone team, mix of quarters, cover six, cover seven, and uh, I just really want to see how how Lamar is able to respond to that. We've seen what he does against the blitz because before that was the narrative on the way to beat him, but now he's proved that he can do it. Buffalo is not really going to lead into that, so that's the chess match that I'm mostly going to be looking for. And when we dig into how Josh Allen and the Bills have been playing, he's of course like Lamar, been so much of their offense. I want to see really how many times he is able to go deep against this team because like both of you guys were mentioning and you said it too, Jay, there's been a lot of coverage busts on that Baltimore secondary that have led to some big plays by their opposition. Though Josh Allen has been just slicing up defenses this year, most of it has come on like shorter passing areas or shorter like targets. He's not throwing it deep as much as some people May go ahead and think when he does take his deep shots, which he certainly is, he is insanely efficient on it. But the majority of his passes are coming in that zero to nine yard range. He's been throwing the ball his in terms of you look at it, like his heat map. Most of his passes are coming into that zero to nine yard range in the center of the field. About 27% of his pass attempts are going to that area. And for Baltimore, who resides in that area? Patrick Queen. And in coverage, it just it's something that he just has not been able to get. And teams have been picking on him since he's been there. The guy is, is much more suited, rushing the passer, chasing down, you know, chasing down receivers, eliminating yards after the catch to use his athleticism. But just in coverage, teams are finding ways to exploit him. And I think we're going to see that a lot more throughout the course of, of this Sunday. And so uh it's gonna be Stephon Diggs on Marlon Humphrey it will be a dope matchup to watch whenever we do. Get that type of uh, get that type of battle. So far, no corner has really been able to hold Diggs's water this season. Not even Jalen Ramsey. So, <laughs>
1: right.
0: yeah, I mean, no one has. He's just he's been a problem for everyone that went against him.
1: Couldn't even lace his cleats, bro. Couldn't even lace his cleats.
0: <laughs> nah, he there was not one point where Ramsey had room to bark. There wasn't. <laughs> like there wasn't. And the Ramsey apologists, oh well, he let him go by. Well, that's terrible cornerback play, bro. I'm sorry, like. <laughs> You straight got roasted.
1: <laughs> That's not even Jalen Ramsey's like nature. <laughs> Let him go by. Come on, now.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's no one's been able to control Stefan Diggs this far. And Marlon, you know, with what Baltimore does with leaving him on islands, he's going to, su- he's going to, you know, surrender some plays and coverage to Stephon Diggs. And Diggs and Allen, just the way they're clicking, how they see the field, how they're able to read it as like one controlled or like the same mind, their chemistry with each other is just, it's, it's top notch. And I think it's going to be and on all cylinders. So, uh, this game in particular, I like Buffalo. I like Buffalo more than the line. I think Buffalo wins by about five. I do like a high scoring affair. I really do like a high scoring affair. So give me in this one, 33, 27 Buffalo, not letting the underdog Ravens come in and steal a victory. But speaking of underdogs, we're going to shift it to a new segment that we're going to unveil. It's not nothing huge, nothing crazy in depth. We're not going to dive in and dig deep like we do on our game previews. But if you're looking at like the underdogs, everyone loves that story, especially when it comes to sports. And so we're going to give you at least one from each of us this week who you think that's an underdog, according to the betting line, that not only has a chance to cover, but a chance to go ahead and win. So just Josiah, I'm going to start this one off with you. You were the guy that tabled this idea. I love it. This being something we can examine this year for week four. Who's the underdog that you're looking at?
1: I got the Falcons, man. I, I think, you know, I think the Falcons really can can beat the Browns, man. I, I like what the Browns have been doing. They've been they've been impressive to me. But the Falcons, I've liked this team since last year, you know, and, and I think, you know, the the head coach they got over there, Arthur Smith, you know, he's a really he's he's really an offensive mind. I don't really say I don't want to say like a a guru or anything like that. You know, I want to see what he can do. Um, you know, he still got to, you know, prove himself. But what he did over there in Tennessee, you know, being able to run the rock and be able to get that offense going. That's why, you know, you're able to see this Falcons team as far as like using I mean, look who they put back there. You know, they put Cordell Patterson back there, somebody that was a special team specialist, you know, and now he's a running back back there and he's explosive. A matter of fact, I think he's what second in yards behind. Your boy, uh, Jordan, in yards as far as total yards so far in three games? Nick Chubb? third behind
0: third, Nick Chubb. yeah, man. Game. Yeah, I mean, that's, Saquon, yeah. Saquon's number two. That
1: I just think, you know, the creative mind on what he's able to do. He wants the established run. And, you know, I thought it was – he showed real – you know, we, we kind of knew. I, I felt like – I think we all kind of felt like Marcus Mariota was going to be the QB there. I mean, when the draft ended, they, they drafted Desmond Ritter. Uh, Ritter. Yeah, and – you know, I mean, I I didn't think too much of. I thought he needed some work. I didn't think he was going to come in and start right away. I thought Marcus had the opportunity really to take over that position and start. And I think even that staff knew that. And that's what he's doing, man. I mean, you know, he could take over with his legs. You you've seen what he was able to do in week one And the Browns. You know, one thing that they've had to be able to kind of slow that down is on Clowney, and he's not going to be. I don't think he's playing this week. I don't think he's playing this week. They got um, Isaac blanking on his last name I can't remember what team they played but yeah he was really you know he he bit on some of those those QB options man and it really mm-hmm. I mean Arthur Smith can really utilize that and take advantage of that and I think you know that's going to be one of the key points here is using him in the in those QB options and you know and then Marcus Mariota he can pass here and there I mean he's not the greatest passer in the world or anything like that but when you have weapons like who we mentioned, Drake London and and, and and Kyle Pitts, man, I mean, you know, it'd be good to see Pitts get going. But Drake London is balling right now. And this is going to be a perfect game for, you know, um, Pitts to get going. And I don't think the Browns coverage with their safeties and corners back there. I, I love Denzel Ward. That was my guy coming out of college. But they're not the greatest in coverage, especially. Their they six.
0: just like don't work as a unit. Like, Maybe individual, like quarters, yeah. them, I just, they yeah. don't work as a unit, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. But they're good at stopping the run, though. They can jump. They can jump down in a box and stop the run and all of that. But when it comes down to that pass coverage, it's just not there, you know. So I, I think Kyle Pitts could really have some, you know, some success there, man. So yeah, I got the Falcons winning this one, man. Um, this is my underdog team right here, man. Upset of the week. Give me, I don't know, man. Give me, uh, give me twenty three to seventeen.
0: 23 to 17. I like that one a lot. This Falcons offense is one that just kind of went on board just for my own entertainment. I'm going to fire up on the all 22 and just be like, damn, that's dope. Like, I mean, when you are running dagger concepts with Kyle Pitts screaming down the seam and Drake London bending off the back and you got Cordell Patterson swinging out, Marcus can also run. I mean, it's a lot of fun stuff. It's just it's cool. It's kind of like Madden ish. You just want some big athletes, a fast quarterback just have it be fun so yeah i'm with you on that before uh we get to you corday just one quick question on the falcons last week against seattle do you guys have a guess on the average depth of target that marcus mariota had in that game target like his average depth like how far down the field was the ball traveling on average when he was targeting his receivers 30 oh no 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 like his average so like every single throw the average oh, depth eight. of the target, the average it depth, uh,
1: yeah, that's a good one. Hey, what
0: is it? Sixteen and a half. Oh, damn, like on average, bro, no QB is even remotely that's approaching great. that, bro. Great, like, man. like no, no QB is just, at, it's, it's just, it's incredible to just see that. That's what they're doing, just leaning into these chuck it deep type of thing so yeah it that won't sustain but they're a fun ass offense to watch i like that one corday who's your underdog the or the team that you think the line is sleeping on this week
2: i think the uh the line is sleeping on the bears this week uh, especially coming off that monday night football game yes sir giants lost, and this offense really looked anemic at times everybody keeps saying like i watch esp and a bunch of other stuff they was like well you really can't evaluate daniel jones because he really isn't getting protected But then when he did get protected, he still looked his passes was off the mark and uh, not really great. I mean, like Daniel Jones' uh, escapability helped him from getting sacked as much as he did. But this O line is, I think, is is worse than uh, the Bears' O line. Like it it seemed too many times, like two free rushers was coming through this Giants' O line. So I think with the fact that uh, you still have a great middle linebacker and Roquan Smith, and then the ageless. Uh, wonder Robert Quinn over there on that side. Then Eddie and then Eddie Jackson looks like he's finally balling, returning back to us. What was it, 2018 or 2019 form?
0: I think it was the 28. Yeah, one of those years when he was just yeah. playing super. That was the last year that Vic was over there when Vic was when Fangio was the DC.
2: Yep, it made him like just put him in a best situation and just had that man balling out. He got like five touch, five interception, like four touchdowns or something like that. Um,
0: Jalen Johnson's balling there too.
2: Yeah, Jalen. I, I think, and that's a crazy thing. Jalen Johnson probably was the best pick that they have made since, um, since that Khalil Mack trade. Like, they didn't have that many draft picks, but that Jalen Johnson trade was just ridiculously good. Um, so, super solid corner, like real. i feel mean, like underrated, like Pro Bowl caliber kind of. Oh, Pro Bowl. I think
0: for sure. I think he's yeah. like pushing himself into the top ten by come season's end if he's uh, not there right now.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, so I'm looking at them. Uh Galladay is
0: out yeah, there. Man. Yeah. Trash mm. <laughs> man, what happened to him, bro? He like sorry, fell sorry. off a cliff. I still remember
2: Jay. We said on the podcast one time. Jay was like, "We all think Kenny, Kenny Galladay was is the number one receiver," and I was like, "Huh,
0: yeah." Were you asking that? I want to say back then I kind of agreed far more than I agree now. Well, at
2: that
1: point, yeah, at that point for sure.
2: I honestly I didn't agree, but I said yeah. I, I know that's look like okay, you say that now. But I'm I'm to remember.
1: It. I mean, you know, yeah.
2: no bias. I'm I'm just saying it cause I just I always liked like Jones. I just like other guys because it seemed like Galladay was they was trying to make man number one, but I couldn't see it consistently. Like I know he went up and jumped, he would jump ridiculous, but then he would get hurt. I don't know, it's just I wasn't sold. I should have said no at the time, but I that sticks with me every time, like Jay was like, we could think she's the number Damn. one receiver, right? And I'm just like, ah. but yeah, I said yeah anyway to go. But yeah, uh he's not doing anything. Uh Kadarius Tony's not in the lineup, he's constantly hurt. Um Saquon uh had one big play uh this last game, but he hasn't looked the same as on on first week of the season. So I think this defense and crossman has had a hell of a game. I think he had like fifteen tackles a sack and a pick last game so I think he'll be able to stop Saquon and so oh him. and then
0: last night a uh, Sterling Shepard tore his ACL. yeah and yeah, st- yeah. Was- completely sure, yeah. non-contact nothing just went down
1: nothing bro it literally nobody was even I mean bro the defender was like literally two or three steps away from him
0: nobody yeah like yeah, the play, yeah. he was like kind of out of the play and like was like decelerating to like almost a stop and then yeah. he was like not even doing yeah. it and then just grabbed his leg and fell yeah. over
2: yeah. It was so weird cuz he literally was de-escalating as and uh, he really tore it though cuz it was like running running okay nothing nothing and then it was kind of like up uh, and it was like he fell and I'm like like dang it wasn't even like one of those full speed like
0: no, step no, like it was
2: just it de-escalating I was like yo this is not good and I, and he has he's been having problems with injuries too like a yeah, beach towards Achilles last year and then like had like a thigh the problem before that. Cool. so That's so, cool. so yeah. yeah he he, he just has not been able to stay healthy so I I'm giving it to the Bears, and I'm, I'm hoping uh, Justin Fields can team the ball, and they keep designing stuff around him. Montgomery got hurt last week, but Herbert came in and feeling nicely, and he's on my He's good too. Yeah, so I remember I heard somewhere in training camp that they was trying to use Herbert more anyway, and I think uh, the Montgomery injury helps them really try to use uh, Herbert uh, as the number one running back in this offense, so I'm going with uh, the Bears for this game. It's going to be low scoring, so I think it's going to be like 20 to probably like 14 or something like that. Because these these offenses aren't like super explosive. 20
0: to 14. Not only covering, but winning. The last one that I'm going with, uh, it's the last game of the week, actually. And I'm kind of surprised at this line a little bit. I'm picking the Rams to go in as road underdogs against the Niners. And just after the performance that we saw on Monday from that San Francisco offense, I I just can't pick the Niners to win. They're going to be in this game without Trent Williams at left tackle. Mm-hmm. And this, the difference that Jimmy G is when he's kept clean, the guy can hopefully, maybe, sometimes be serviceable when he's kept clean. But when he's not, that dude's quarterback rating, his passer rating drops by almost a hundred points. I, I've just never seen anything like it. And just there was a couple plays because I, because you know everybody get there's the Jimmy G apologists that don't make sense to any of us in this in this podcast, mm-hmm. and then there's basically you know people who what it is that's how i see it like jimmy just can't get it done like they had like there was the first one like they they kept hitting him with robber looks with the safety and jimmy just didn't know what to do and it's not like we haven't seen this before and shout out to cj he called it in our group chat before Mm -hmm. it happened Mm -hmm. the first one that happens there's a there's underneath safety and they get man coverage on the outside and it's an in breaker i think to iuk and Jimmy throws it, and it ends up getting tipped. If that one, ball wouldn't have got tipped, it would have been an interception. So then they come back several plays later, and they same type of concept, in-breaker versus cover one robber, safety sitting in the hole. Jimmy doesn't see the safety. He sees the safety this time, but then he's like, he kind of panics and like just kills it. And then, of course, on the very, last pl- uh, the very last drive, not the very last drive before the running back fumbled, but the one where he threw the interception late, The robber was sitting like he wasn't quite inside, but he was sitting at a different depth. Jimmy still can't see him. And not only did he not see him, but he threw it to such, so far inside to the receiver that the ball was more targeted towards the safety than it was towards the receiver. Like just stuff like this. Right. right. We've seen it so many times, and he just continues to make the same mistakes. So if you mean to tell me that you got the Rams going in to play against the Niners without. Trent Williams, the running game hasn't clicked the same way that you would expect the Niner run game to click Aaron Donald is going to be the guy on that defensive line going against this depleted San Francisco offensive line. I just think there's going to be so much to be able to have there from the Rams defense. I could even see a defensive touchdown or a turnover and then giving the and giving the Rams offense a short field. I do think we're going to see some pretty dope football when it comes to the Rams having the ball because that San Francisco defense is one of the best in the NFL right now, playing real lights out, getting contributions all across the board. But just with Jimmy there, with the depleted offensive line, and just what they have to work with, I I got the Rams, man. I got the Rams straight out winning this game, even though the Niners go into it as uh, two-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, Let me call the score as, what do we think? Give me the Rams yeah, 20-13. to Yep, that's where we're going to lean. We still have time, though, for one more game preview this week. We are going to tip it off with Corday's undefeated hey. Philadelphia Eagles going against this surprise team out of the AFC South, Jacksonville Jaguars. Corday, as the resident Eagle fan, sure. do the Jaguars in any way <laughs> scare you going into this matchup? It's kind of crazy to say that, as I do, <laughs> but do they at all?
2: Absolutely. I mean, I think you know, we always talk about the fact that Doug Peterson coached this team, but I think uh, more of the standpoint. Uh, and, and Nick sariani is a Frank Reich disciple, which is a Doug Peterson disciple. So they have those kind of connections in that kind of a sense. And then I wonder how much does Doug Peterson know this team, even though we've transitioned a lot since in the two years that Doug has been gone. Um, the like the key players like a Fletcher Cox, Elaine Johnson, and things like that uh Jason Kelsey might have keys on but he doesn't know how we run our offense in particular even though it might be the same our OC I don't believe uh ever coached under Doug Peterson um so uh from that standpoint uh could be like a little nervous but I think definitely the Eagles is going to take this game uh Darius Slay is going to be able it's going to be shutting down uh Christian Kirk which is like funny to say because that that's the the best receiver they have over there uh Evan Eagle's been doing pretty good. Uh, we're going to stop the run, running game with James Robinson because we just got, got AD at, at the D-line, and it's been getting after people. And we're going to see how how good this Jaguars O-line. Because I know last year on the Upper Meyer, it was, like, looking terrible. Uh, but Trevor Lawrence had been looking at these last few weeks, but it's a different animal uh, with this Eagles defense. Like, I remember I told said before I was glad we won week one but I like the fact the Alliance came back on us and that hasn't been happening in these last two weeks. Mm-hmm. And AJ Brown's been balling. Uh Devontae Smith balled out uh real real good last week, which a lot of people in fantasy were saying, like, man, I drafted this dude, but he ain't and then he just had like, I think it was six to eight catches for like 156 yards. And then AJ Brown still think I got I think he got hundred yards too. And Jalen Hurts, the maturation of this man looking more and more like uh a better passer, looking more and more like Dak Prescott when he started the ball and really started to develop as a very good skilled passer. I'm just loving it all around. Uh this offense is looking good. Now, the one thing I say about my team that uh I worry about sometimes is sometimes we do, we do, we make weird ass penalties that mm-hmm. doesn't help sustain drives and kind of stop drives. Like I remember I think when we was playing uh the Vikings when we was it when we blew them out twenty four to like eight we probably could have blew them out a lot more probably even got up to forty uh, points but we started making dumb penalties like in the middle of the game which really uh, you can't do when you play like the better the better teams of the world um, but also our line I think is the best in the league not even like as a homer I just I think-
0: have to agree with- no I gotta agree with you man yeah
2: yeah because like all Lane Johnson's back to his all pro form. Uh, Jordan lot over at left tackle, uh, Kelsey in the middle. Uh, I forget our left guard, but he's a, he was a second round pick from two years ago. And our and our and our starting guard is, is solid as well. So it's uh it, we've really formed, and we always <laughs> the Eagles is always a big believer in the trenches. So I think that's why we're so solidified and healthy. That's and that's what's keeping us being the best uh, O line in the league. Mm-hmm. And this Jaguars front. They have multiple fronts, a uh, Tr- uh, Trayvon Walker, and uh, mm-hmm. all the different like uh D linemen they're gonna bring, like a Arden Key, a uh, Devin Lloyd. I think our O line will be able to hold up against them because we're they're all veterans and Hurts is really balling. So uh I'm I'm really looking forward to this game and I I can't I can't wait to see my Eagles pull out a victory. <laughs> i can just hear the excitement
0: bro <laughs> I can't wait for the game can't wait to see them pull out a victory as if it's not even it's an afterthought the W's an afterthought okay i
1: can't
2: wait to hear doug peterson l man that's that's what it really is you know I hear that what,
0: what's the score what's the score
2: 30 to 17
0: damn 13 on them huh 30 to 17 yeah Uh, right now the the eagles offensive line if you break it down according to pff offensive line grades they are number one in the past and number one in terms of run blocking right now just doing a lot of damage uh the guard i think you were referring to is that isaac sayamalo
2: no no that's the that's our right guard i was talking about our left guard he was the the dude who tore his acl out of alabama and it was a short one he would come back but then he was super athletic and he had several different injuries uh he's playing left guard right now he was
0: Oh, Len Nickerson!
2: Yeah, yeah, there we go. There we go.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, for sure. Uh, Josiah, in this game, I know uh, last week your ICU, rightfully so. Whereas the Jacksonville Jaguars, they've uh, went and showed that this offense is uh, very capable of putting up a lot of points, put up the highest point total actually that we saw in week three. But now coming into a Philadelphia defense and a team overall that is balling, what are you think? What are you thinking most about when you look at the matchups in this game?
1: That's a great question. That's a great question. I, and I want I want to start with the with the D line versus their offensive line. You know, yes, like sir. what we've seen from I will start with Corday's Eagles. I mean, that D line has been <laughs> they 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 I mean they they've been they've been killing. They've been killing. They've been getting after the QB. And then when you look at the Jaguars, that offensive line has been blocking pretty pretty well. And Trevor Lawrence has been able to get you know the passes out and accurate and with precision. You know, and you can't really. And the only thing I will, you know, and well, I'll, I'll say this. The old line for the Jaguars has been good enough that Trevor Lawrence hasn't been needing to like really run or have to run or anything like that. He's had enough time to really, you know, make the right decisions and, you know, and, and not have to run or anything. The times he actually, the times he's running, it hasn't even looked that good to be honest with you, you know, more so, you know, lost yards and really gained anything. So, um, you know, so that old line's really been blocking. So that is the key right now is the trenches, which is what we what we preach a lot on this on this pod here on Cover Zero, man. We we always talk about the trenches, mainly the offensive line, and then you know the defensive line. So that's the main thing I'm gonna be looking at there, and then the QB play, man. I mean, you know, Jalen Hurts, obviously, you know, I, I've talked about him a little bit, Corday. You know, you brought him up, man. I'm just really impressed with him, man. I I, I really yeah. am because. I just didn't think too much of him when he came out of college. I I just thought, you know, he needed to work on a lot of his, you know, he just being accurate, really. I mean, I just didn't think he was really that accurate, you know, and then some of his decision-making wasn't that good. And last year you've seen that for most of the season. And then last, I think the last maybe five, six games, you know, um, rather it was switching to play calls, and running the ball more, and he just got better. He got better. And then now we're into this season here and he's just, I mean, He's like Tua. I mean not not that they play the same, they're similar, but they're just they're both two QBs that just look real comfortable in the system right now. Poised in the Absolutely. pocket, making accurate throws downfield, short immediate throws. They got the weapons. I mean, they you know, but this ain't about Tua, this is about Jalen Hurts. But he's 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 balling, bro. He's balling. And then you know one thing too about him is he's looking to pass first. Yeah. For running. And that's not something that i seen. I've never seen that from Jalen Hurts. It was always like, OK, you know, snap the ball. Boom. OK. Up. Oh, nothing there. And One read drop
0: the eyes. Go. Yeah, right, bro.
1: There was not. There's no way you scan the whole field. There's no way. You know what I'm saying? So now it's, it's he's really looking downfield. He's looking everywhere, scanning the whole field. You don't you don't see it. And again, partially to what you were saying, Cordae, it's that O line that O line yeah. is blocking long enough. Mm-hmm. For him to be able to, 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 to make those, you know, those, those passes and to be able to scan the whole field. So, yeah, I, I really like what this team is doing more so than the Jaguars. I, I like the Jaguars, though. Don't get me wrong. I could see them. I could see the upset here. Um, but I, I just – I well, put it this way. I don't see it happening, but I wouldn't be like, oh, my God, the Jaguars, they beat the Eagles. Like, I think people, the fans, football fans, diehard football fans are starting to, you know, respect. The Jaguars, you know, because what they're doing. But, yeah, I I just think the Eagles is just a little bit too much, man. So, key trenches and QB play. And, you know, that's what it would be for me. I think I edge both going to the Eagles. I I really do. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, give me Eagles, man. Give me me 26 to 23.
0: Oh, you got the Jags. You got the Jags covering. Six-and-a-half-point line and there.
1: he's going to be after it, bro. He He's not, you know, I don't think he really liked how it ended over there at all. And no,
2: at all. He don't like it at all.
1: He don't like it at all. But one thing I'll say, though, at the end of the day, you might not like it, and, and you know, you may think that you know everybody over there, but at the same time, you got to have the talent. Your team has exactly. to have the talent to beat That's this team. Great point. And, you know, and, and I don't think they have that, that talent, but he's going to get his right. team to play. They're going to be fired up and they're winning right now. They believe in Doug. Definitely. So that alone is going to get them to be a, you know, to get them to match up close to him. But I just think Jalen Hurts in that bit too much. Yeah. Yeah. I really want
2: to see uh, their old line versus RD line and how many people we can throw at him. Uh, uh Dang, I forget his name. Uh, he had three sacks last week. Uh, Ageless wonder he had coming off. In the oh tournament. Brandon Graham. Brandon Graham. Yeah, I was thinking yeah, Mike Graham for yeah. some reason. I like Graham, but yeah.
0: Shoot, even freaking uh Fletcher Cox had one of his famous ones where he just hits him with the hits the guard with the long arm and pushes the yep. guard into the quarterback.
2: Yep. <laughs> I love seeing that. And then 'cause when he's 'cause then when he gets the sack, he just crawls and just like kinda points at him. I like
0: <laughs> Yeah. Like bro, I put like I bowling balled y'all. <laughs> like yeah. he's playing pool or some shit. Yeah. <laughs> with oh. offensive linemen.
2: I I definitely will see that battle up front. If if we win that battle, then uh, uh, Trevor Lawrence has has no shot at, and Jags have no shot at uh, winning this game. So
0: that's what I just want to see. Yeah. Uh, for me, really, this Jaguars offense has definitely been impressive. I think when we went into the season preview with this team, I actually said I could see the Jags pulling off like a seven win season. So I mean, yeah. I mean, it's it's coming to fruition in ways I didn't think it would be. You know anything like 38-10 over the Chargers or nothing like that. And I did not have them winning the division, to be right. honest percent clear. But
1: you, were, right. you picked them, though, to have a good game, though. Give yourself credit to on
0: that. No, I picked them to have, like, a better year. Like, it's going to turn around. They're not going to be bottom of the barrel. You know, and I'm seeing just because – and a lot of it was because, you know, Urban Meyer, as we all agree, was so treacherous for that squad. Yeah. And now that he's out the door and you have an offense that has, like, an at least an identity, there are things that this that I know I can – See in this team if I watch them week in and week out. And though we still all agree that Christian Kirk was overpaid, they are basing a lot of what they are doing kind of with him as the focal point in different areas on that offense. So while they overpaid, they are using Christian Kirk the way that you should use a Christian Kirk on that offense. And for me, I don't think we're going to see him against Darius Slay all that much this weekend. Darius Slay, he stays on the outside. Mostly that's where he goes. And Christian Kirk has spent so much of his time in the slot this year. 126 of his 198 snaps have came out of the slot, and they've even lined him up in the backfield in every single game for at least a few routes. And they're having him run choice routes out of the backfield, treating him like a running back. And, you know, that's just – it's really cool to see just that they're really not just restricting him to be the number one X receiver or making him be something that he's not. Mm -hmm. So that's really cool to see how they're using him. Uh, you guys both brought up a defensive line for the Jags. Josh Allen, who the Raiders should have took over Cleveland Furl, He's been having a really good year himself. Okay. I think he will get that second contract playing with them. And Trayvon Walker is – he's he's an interesting player to continue to watch. And the one thing that I think that I would honestly look to do with him a little bit more, drop that man into a spy. Because yeah. Yeah. every time they have, it's not just like, you know, you'll see a lineman they drop there just to kind of take up space. And you look at the lineman dropped into coverage, and he's just kind of looking around like, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Um, What do I do? And But you watch him. He has spatial awareness in coverage. Those movement skills, the athletic ability, those all translate. The size, of course, the length. But he kind of has an understanding of reading the quarterback as the play is developing and where he should kind of look to move within that zone. Granted, he's not really doing a ton, but I think they should look to do that more and maybe try to expand that role for him. Uh, your boy, Jay, I also liked him a lot too. Both of our number one linebackers coming out. Devin Lloyd has been having a really solid season early in his rookie year right now, playing very well for them, liking what I'm seeing from him. So there's some pieces to get excited about on this Jaguars team. And James Robinson, is just hilarious. Another, another, like, you know, dagger in the idiocy that was Urban Myers. Like, he didn't want to use that guy for right. what he's not explosive enough. He doesn't have enough go. But if you watch James Robinson press the hole on that outside zone and then be able to finally find the gap at the right point and then turn the juice on against the Chargers last week for that untouched Mm 50-yarder, yeah, this is a guy that Urban Meyer didn't want to use. So go figure. Yeah, yeah, and
2: it was kind of dumb. They was drafting uh, Travis Etienne in the first round because he thought Robinson wasn't explosive enough. And then, like, you just come back and see James. If it wasn't for him getting hurt last year, you would have just been, like, seeing dumbfounded, like, yep, James Robinson is that guy is that dude anyone undrafted so you didn't have to use a first round pick on travis Etienne at the time
0: so it was just mm-hmm. yeah Etienne's finding his way on the field but robinson yeah, is the yeah. guy that is back there he just knows how to like read holes and move better Etienne's a nice change of pace guy someone they can yeah. split out wide and you know just kind of use in spots so it's it's working but yeah first round pick maybe not necessarily but yeah. this eagles offense is is i'm very impressed with it so far And Devontae Smith, it was really cool seeing him remind everyone that this dude was a Heisman Trophy winner as a wide receiver, like not that long ago at all. And he had several plays that were just Jalen where Jalen Hurts was giving him chances going down the sideline. And just that I am better than you came out on several plays for the touchdown that even the screen pass. He took a screen pass for like a 12 yard gain that got a first down. The screen pass wasn't even a good throw by Jalen. When that screen comes out, it's got to be on time. you got to put it right on the receiver so he can turn and just jet up field. That ball is thrown high on a screen, which is the last thing you want. No problem. I'm Devontae Smith. Goes up in the air, snags it, lands, reassesses where the blocking is, and just turns the juice on, and he's out of there. So, I mean, it's now that you can get him going and him working in conjunction with A.J. Brown and Dallas Goddard and the stable of running backs that you have and Jalen playing really smart behind an offensive line that will just create living rooms of space for Jalen to operate in. Yeah. I think the Eagles win this one. I think, I think the Jags have a chance to get the cover. i um, the six and a half line. I think that hook will be the difference. I like the Eagles here. 26 to 20 mm. in this game, 26, 20 Eagles. Yeah. We appreciate everybody listening. And I know Corday appreciates that it was a clean sweep for them. Fly Eagles flies. Over there,
2: yeah, you know me. Hey, yeah, you know me. <laughs> hey, man. I, I be happy my team was doing good. Jalen Hurts is uh, match is developing as a passer because I I think I've told you guys offline I wasn't big on him. I wanted us to keep Wentz, but um, glad we didn't do that. Uh, and really ingrained and um, yeah, really involved into Jalen Hurts. And funny about it, this was Peterson's pick. He he benched Wentz for Hurts, and we see how this is paying off now.
0: This is so, true. This is true, yeah, we well, appreciate y'all staying around with us. Thanks again to Chase coming on, dropping all the fantasy knowledge, and we will see you guys on Sunday nights. We'll be looking at a skeleton crew. look out in the in the crowd at the Raider game. Josiah is going to be in attendance. Jay, Jay is going to be in the building. Where are you sitting, bro?
1: I'm sitting in the the midsection like two three nice. hundred I'm, I'm right there I'm right there. Nice. I can't nice. wait, man. I'm I'm excited, man. I, I just know look, I just tell you this, man. You know, <laughs> we we better win. Just just win next week. That's that's just really <laughs> that's just where it is. Hey people, fans, you know, Corday. we ain't on you know, we ain't there yet. We ain't at the three and oh, three in a three in a row or nothing like that, man. We just no, trying to get it three in a, a row, row in the, the last
0: column. Mm hmm.
1: But it's it's gonna be good. Just start, you know, you gotta get that one. We too talented, so
0: you know exactly. we can
1: definitely go on the streak for sure, man. So Yeah.
0: Yep. Go ahead and turn up NFL Week 4. After this, it will officially be the first quarter of the NFL season done before we move on to the second quarter. It's flying by, and I love it. Keep it locked with the Cover Zero podcast, and we'll cover everything. Peace.